Hopkins. Jared Wadley with you, Luke Hodges with me. Hello, Hodgie. Morning, Jared. I think you are. I think you're right. I reckon there's a lot of Collingwood supporters out there that were pretty optimistic uh, going into the game, hoping that they could play the football that they've seen throughout the year. But I've got a bit of belief that they don't have any belief anymore. They uh, they've they've realised yes they're missing blokes more Dugowie, Dacos, Bobby Hill and the likes. But there's that. Or it was that arrogance that Collingwood played played with. It was the confidence that they'll just take anyone on. They were down at three quarter time. They knew they'd come back because that's what Collingwood did, and that's the thing is that's what they did. Not anymore. The last three weeks, through injuries, through lack of confidence, some pretty important people that are that are missing. All of a sudden, that that Collingwood confidence is just not there. And and we saw that last night. They they looked during the third quarter. We thought, here we go. They got back to within four points after kicking four goals in a row. But the the Lions found a little bit responded with a couple goals and then didn't look back in that last quarter. They, they just ran away from a team that we were all expecting to, to charge, as we've seen so much for the last 18 months. Dermot Burden, hello. Good morning, Jared and Haji Dermot. and Sammy. Hey, um, I love that Adam Simpson gets set to walk the plank. <laughs> they might then thereafter, if you're using analogies, start playing spin the bottle. <laughs> don't know where they're going at the moment. Well, they probably do. Hey, look, last night, just in a brief one, Collingwood, I think they've had enough of a hold of this season. We can say they are the best team of the season. But we look back in history, and you have to actually think about it because you only remember premiers attached to a year in your mind's eye. They might not be the best team of September, and that's happened to a lot of clubs. The best team of the year doesn't always win the grand final. And unless they recapture it, because I I think their best footy this year was by far the best footy we've seen from any of the 18 combatants but they might not recapture it I hope they do but they might not their stories only told in hindsight as to whether they're the other side of the bell curve or whether this is the awkward phase of waiting and Sam Edmund to watch Craig McRae's press conference Mm. last night was to see a little bit more agitation than at any stage in his tenure so far but he used those two words biding time half think it was accidental when he dropped it in but so they're either biding time or they've lost form. But what is form, Sam? What, what is, is form? form? That was the Mick Moltes recreation. What is coming to play? Now, it wasn't quite as bitter and as uh, as cranky as Mick was back in the day with that famous press conference. But biding time, you're right. He went in there accidentally, I think, when asked about Mason Cox's influence. And the hunger that Mason had coming on as the sub from the second time in his career when something's taken away from you and then you get a chance to grab it back. And he said, if only we could recreate that across our entire list. So in that awkward no man land world they're living in. We got an insight finally from Fly last night as to what that's like to oversee. But I'll tell you what, the big issue is off the top, Jared. I mean, watchers of The Simpsons will know what I mean when I say stupid, sexy Flanders. <laughs> well, well, last night we had stupid, sexy Robertson. Have you ever seen a player run around for a couple of minutes half nude? Now, Benny Lyon was showing me the numbers, the Instagram numbers. Pre-match, 11,000 Instagram followers for Devin Robertson. Post-match, North of 19,000. They have come swooning. <laughs> so there's probably an expectation oh, for Dev as to what he's going to post from here. That's it. They come and they want they want um, material. They want they want content, Jared. You're, you're, well, not you're not trolling players' Instagrams again, are you? <laughs> I've become the Instagram reporter, haven't I? Don't don't hey, solicit wait. for that, please. So you've just caught on that that's what influencers do. They take their clothes off and they get followers. So <laughs> Dev's just following the trend I, of all I, the influencers. I do need to say, this might be Dev's worst nightmare. He's not that sort of guy. He was hiding away from BT last night. Roaming Brian wasn't going to find him. It was the ultimate game of hide so and seek. He's not starting up an OnlyFans page? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Hey, hey, by the way. 
anyway. know too much about this, Angie. I was going to say, Derm, do you have one? <laughs> I, I think I've got one. <laughs> Derm, actually, well, I need to say, it's Derm's birthday today. Derm, are you going to tell us at some stage it's happy your birthday? birthday. Well, birthday. Well, get that quiet. When you get past the mid-50s, hey, happy you birthday. don't want 59. Oh, you're driving in 59. 59. Yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> now be honest with yourself, Derm. Emotionally... My will for fun, I feel 31. It's <laughs> <laughs> not surprising. Physically, I feel 79. Oh. And my real number's 59 today. Yeah, well, I'm nowhere. I'm, I don't know what I am. You're moving magnificently. Oh, man, did you see him drop his seat. keys before he walked in here? I'd have bent over and picked him up because he, <laughs> he dropped his keys to the ground off and down going, we're not going to get in he here in time if he's got to bend over to pick them up. Yeah. He wasn't in a rush to pick them up, was he? <laughs> no. I saw Hodgie fidget to pick them up, and I thought, I'll out-fumble them. <laughs> uh, so let, let's spend some time on Collingwood, and then we'll come through the Lions, and Josh Dunkley's going to join us. So best three players missing last night at the wrong venue. They would much prefer that game to be at the MCG. By siren time, they're quite significant underdogs, despite the fact that they were two games clear of Brisbane. So there are alibis everywhere, but that's three weeks in a row that they have conceded 100 points, and they rapidly conceded 100 points last night. Are there wrinkles in their game to be truly worried about? Well, if you go back to what a lot of the good old coaches says, anywhere, anytime, anyplace. So whether you're worried about should it be at the MCG or Marvel, that's irrelevant because teams have to win anywhere if they're going to finish top four, and Collingwood did enough early in the year to, to get there, but... There's massive concerns. Like the way they the way they played, look, they they looked effortless. Like the only spark that they had. There's been two weeks in a row where someone's come on and given them a spark from the sub. Ginevan was really good last week. He he missed that buzz last night. He was more worried about fighting the opposition rather than getting to the crumb that he did last week. And Cox came on to give him a bit of spark in that third quarter to, mm. to get him back into the game. But for the whole entirety of the game, it wasn't the the team that you're sitting there confident going. They're the number one play side, and they're going to charge through the finals. There's there's massive concerns for the coaching staff because you play a whole season to try and prime your list. to, And some things you can't do. Look, injuries you can't control. That's that's just a part of football. But you try and prime your list that no matter who comes in or out, that you're going to compete against anyone. And that wasn't a team of one competing against two last night. It was They were outplayed. And you fear for a team that's been so successful all year to, to be bundled out pretty early if they could play the same football they have the last month. To the naked eye, they looked different. The statistical data will show you that it was different. They've got some issues just about in every facet of their game. Their, their ability to score. They only went inside 47 times last night. You, you can't expect to go into a final series if you're averaging 40-something inside 50s a game. You, you've got to have Tony Lockett up the front and Wayne Carey sitting at centre-half forward if you want to win finals with mid-40 uh, inside 50 games. They used to play at their best footy shows that they had a high octane desire to put the ball into express mode. There were moments of it last night, but the times that we looked at it and with the, the naked eye, we saw them static coming out of the back line. And, and there'd be a, one of their players might be 75 metres out from their defensive goal. Not one Collingwood player behind him to square the ball up and try and take it out the other side at pace or come past and utilise the stand, the rule mark, and go past quickly. And that man on the mark can't stop that quick handball. They just didn't have that desire for high-octane footy. And then in the middle, you've got wonderful players. But every team has 
that's aspiring at this point in time has wonderful players, but they have the balance right. Now, I still don't think that Brisbane's balance is perfect because they are a big, heavy midfield. They try and have a bit of pace on the outside. Collingwood, I mean, they basically want Crisp off a back flank, but they've got to put him in the middle right now because he's the only one with raw leg speed. And then you've got Dacos, who's the other one with a bit of foot speed, leg speed as well. And he kicked the ball pretty poorly last night, I thought. Um, and he was on the back foot when his opposition winger kicked two goals on him in the first quarter. So outreached at the centre bounce, couldn't make the spread as quickly out of the middle, lacked leg speed on the outside through the middle. All their leg speed is in the back line with Noble and Oleg Markov. Um, as I said, Crisp goes into the middle. That upsets the way that they want to structure. So there's some of those holes are having a profound effect upon the way they play. What, what was your thought with putting Tommy Mitchell to Lockie Neal? Because Tommy Mitchell's a natural hunter and he's never done really the shutdown roles in the middle. He's good at getting a position and fighting like bugger to get that ball, get a clearance out. That's how he's played his best football. That's how he's won a Brownlow. I would have thought the best way for them to go would be putting Penderbury to a Lockie Neal because Penderbury's smart. He's done that the last couple of years, has gone to midfielders and still been able to find the ball, have impact around the outside because Tommy Mitchell at halftime didn't have a clearance and Lockie Neal's had four or five. Tommy Mitchell still found the ball, but it was outside of the stoppage where it wasn't really as damaging as what he could do in the middle. I thought they tried to change a player and Tommy looks lost. In a, in a position where he normally looks as comfortable as anyone which is inside the contest. You, you see that so much better than me. And I saw him standing next to him. I didn't think it was a hard press or anything like that. Did, was yeah, it? No, it was, it was, a, okay. he, he was he was cat and mouse. He was running around trying to hold him from behind. And then yeah. as soon as it broke out, Lockie's leg speed got away from him. So Lockie would do the damage on the inside, but then Tommy would get lost and Lockie would get the second and third touch out into the wing because he spread his fast feet really good. Yeah. That's where... It almost looked like Tommy Mitchell was trying too hard to shut him down, which just took away from any of his ball-winning ability yeah. in, in the stoppage. So looking at that, that's like asking a bricklayer about accounting. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see that like you do. You're the one who, yeah, as you've just explained. But it, I, would, I would caution against people changing the leopard spot in, in play. You, 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 you've got his one wood. You know what he's capable of. Don't ask him to do a role he's incapable of, of fulfilling. Yeah. The, yeah. the other one, which is more in your domain, how long do they keep with the how? How? Because you look back, <laughs> yeah. and I'm looking at a, a defence, and when you've got more down there who's lead, like setting them up, no problems, more is replaced by Frampton and Murphy as the two key defenders. And I'm mm. looking back going, as a premiership favourite team, I'm not scared of that defensive intercept marking and, and rebounding the ball. At what stage do they go, well, we've tried how, that's not working for us, Moore's out. When do we throw him back for a little bit of leadership but a bit of that intercept marking and rebound which we've needed to play our best football? So on the outside here, we're making up our assumptions on what they were thinking at the time. I, I believe that they wanted, last night they went into it thinking, let's kick 100 plus again. Let's load up in the forward line. We've got Billy. Any time, and you even saw with Billy Frampton, even when he made it to the front position, I'm thinking, mark it, Billy. Intercept, mark. He went two fists, bang. He just stayed in his own wheelhouse. Mm. And you can't ask a, a player who's no star, no champion, he's getting the game because he's doing what they ask. And he's in the right man. He's the right man in the right place at the right it time. It was the Harris Andrews effect, though, wasn't it? Well, he's clearly doing the job on Harris Andrews and doing a good job of it, too, up till half time. But then when Nathan Murphy goes down, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment, then they have a decision to make, don't they? They can't go in without Murphy. And yeah, you can always understand. Look, I, I, 
if you're going to try something, knowing if it's going to work in finals, you can't chop and change. Yep. You need to sit there for two or three games and get a good understanding. But I think we've seen, without more there, that that should yeah. be done by from now. So, but the thing with Howe is, you still want him to learn a few things. I think they just moved him back last night, not because his timing was out. I think early in the game we saw him fly for a mark, and he was actually on the way down when the ball hit his hands, and he just coughed it up. It's very difficult to mark like that. Um, his timing was quite out. But they still want to know, I'd say, if they can have him as a potent swingman. And last night, my belief is, let's kick 100 plus. Let's blow them away. If we can defend and stop them dourly in the back half, let's see if we can kick 100 plus. I thought they only moved him back in the end when they started thinking, percentage is an issue here. So... Defensively, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I do think they still want to know whether he can be a swing man, should they, if they, get to the big yeah. dance. I, I think anyone who can – what game was it where they threw him forward and he kicked three in the yeah. last quarter and you thought Carlton. the Carlton game because they yeah. need it. I reckon they've got confidence, but they, they trialled something. I don't think it's worked, and that's, that's good. All coaches will trial things so you don't have to trial it in finals. But I think that trial has ended now, especially with how fragile the, the defence looked without it's amazing, an innocent marker there. You're right. There's so many trials going on. They, they still trial Brody Grunty last week and another, another game. So coaches will still actually want to know, what are we, 14 days out from, mm. well, with the week's break, 21 days out from a finals berth. It's hard yeah. to assess them, isn't it, Jared? Like Just yeah. coming back to that biding time phrase. So, okay, so that four four players that are walk-ups in their best 22 aren't playing. So they come back in. And there's no carrot at the moment. So psychologically, how do you assess that? But then listening to Craig McRae last night, so it's not like you get to September. And yes, it is a different ball game. A new season starts. But you can't just flick the switch and just think we're instantly going to get back to our best footy. So there's such an interesting psychological study. What do you play for when there's nothing to play for? Yeah, so the I think part of that is really easily understood. They they will be emotionally triggered come the qualifying final. Yeah. The problem is, is their midfield looks highly suspect. They're getting 100 points plus scored against them every week. Yeah. And uh, do they have the forward line to be able to outscore that or not really? So yeah. that this is uh, so. How much does the emotional correct some of what's well, going on? The mechanical, on? yeah. Does and the mechanical I do think follow the emotion? That game can only be played at Marvel last night. You don't get one twenty-four to um to a hundred at the MCG. So I know you say anywhere, anytime, whatever, but that is unique to that menu last night. That, that's not replicated if they play a preliminary final or a grand final at the MCG. Yeah. Oh, no, I was talking about the mindset yeah. of players. And a lot of the supporters are like, oh, if this was at the G, it'd be so much more comfortable. The players can't have that mindset. That's what I was yeah. alluding to. With with Fly, when he spoke, those words you just mentioned, Sam, I, I'm a, still a believer. Yes, new coaches, young coaches will put their own taint into it, but they're a product of their environment. And he would take a lot of his strategical thinking, his, his, his guide rails that he has for coaching his group from Lee Matthews. Mm. Lee Matthews is never, even if he had two games clear on the top, he's never saying to his boys, we'll rest this one. He's full throttle every one. Now, I know times have changed a little bit, but he's a product of the Lee Matthews coaching school. And there's a few come through under there. And I believe that he'd want a best effort every time he goes out there. So I think that that loss would have smarted him last night, really hurt him. Yeah. He was and as edgy as he, he was. He, as he's been. He, he was smarted. He did The glimpses he gave behind the curtain, though, were, so to go in, Hill would have played if it had been a final. Well, yeah, well... And you don't take yeah. any risks. Yeah. 
at so, this time of year. Yeah. So, Dagoe, he said, would have played tomorrow, but he did say if it's a final, we might look at it a little bit differently. So, yeah. I mean, conservative thinking coming in. Get the pre-finals by as well, of course. But... Uh, I don't know. Do the mechanics follow the motivation that will undoubtedly be there come the qualifying final when you think they were the best defensive team in the comp not that long ago? And now clearly, while they're pressuring the ball's pretty good, as Craig said last night, uh, the mechanics are breaking down elsewhere in terms of that. Uh, well, kick-ins for Brisbane were, were a factor as well, I think. So coast-to-coast transition. Scored, well, they scored one goal from, yeah. from kick-ins. They got Maybe him inside 50. Inside 50, yeah. yeah. I think that's where they've... Yeah. The lines have changed since the bye. They've had, they put in a lot of work on improving their transition because they were a really good kicking team, but they weren't utilising early in the year. So since the bye, they're number one from going from D50 to, to Ford 50. And they do that through marks. They do that. So it's a it's a more of a calculated ball movement where it's a kick mark, kick mark, which yep. takes all the risk out of their ball movement for turnovers for the opposition. And last night, Collingwood allowed them 96 marks. So if you're going to allow a team that wants to take marks, you're going to allow them to have 96 marks. You're just fueling their ball movement. They needed to tighten up a little bit. And to make him go, rather than a 30-metre short little punch, you've got to do that 40 or 50-metre longer kick so it comes into a contest. That gives you a chance to turn the ball over and go back at their defence who are normally set up for, for the ball movement. What do you know on an injury front this morning, Sam? So Nathan Murphy caught that knock to the glute. And then he, there was a few tunnelling episodes, wasn't there? Yeah. Almost a flashback last night. Then he landed heavily on his back. So he's very sore. But it appears, though, nothing more sinister than that. So he'll be a watch throughout the week. But there's no reason not to be optimistic. Jordan Ngoi, Bobby Hill, almost certainly back next week. We spoke about Jacob Ryan on Dubuque concussed, unfortunately. God, I fell for that, lad. Knee yeah. to the back of the head. Then didn't land well. Um, so he's in the concussion protocols, of course. And Bo, Bo McCreary, while not an injury, certainly we'll have a case to answer that dangerous tackle free kick uh, against Darcy Wilmot in the third quarter. One arm is free but the head does make contact with the ground. That'll be a flashpoint I'm sure for for Michael Christian to have a good look at. And a big uh, admission I thought post-match from the coach of the Brisbane Lions, uh, Chris Fagan on his star midfielder Lockie Neal who has been playing sore. We know his form's been down and last week was sick and whether it was deliberate or not brilliant coaching after the game last week to say look Lockie mate we can sit you out. There's no shame in having a week off Needled response, <laughs> what a performance! Red rag it to was a ball. So good. Yeah, yeah, that's we're, that's chipping his ego. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk Lockie shortly. So Mason Cox came into the game yep. last night and had a huge impact. Yep. To, to the point where, and Darcy Cameron hadn't. He was getting soundly beaten by McInerney, and then there's no place for Darcy Cameron once Cox is on the field. So that's sort of really interesting as well. But Cox did play like a guy. So you're going to get one last look at this to see if you're going to be there in September. And he looked every bit like he should be. Mm. So Oscar McInerney is a bona fide um, centre square ruckman in a team that's aspiring to win a premiership and going to make a really good fist of it. So he's got credentials. The thing with with Mason Cox is he physically did something that Oscar couldn't deal with. He just plain old outreached him, which Darcy, he was outreaching Darcy Cameron. So when, when they play the paper, scissor rock, they come together and they, they almost lap up it against each other's sides at the centre bounce rather than the charge bang knee into each other. So you play that game, Mason Cox wins every time. And if he doesn't win, it's a nil-all draw. So it's there, thereafter up to the blokes underneath. So Cameron did all right around the ground in the second quarter, which wasn't a great quarter for Collingwood. So you say, do, do you want a bloke doing all right around the ground even when we lose the quarter by four goals and getting beaten in the ruck? No, you don't want it. So if Cox has that hunger and he can take a grab up forward... He's played himself last night in half a game back into serious contention to be a 
a meaningful existence in this team. He, he got them back into the game. That third quarter, he had 16 hit-outs just for the third quarter and seven of them were to advantage. Oscar McInerney up until three-quarter time had six for the first three quarters. Mm. Coxie did that in one quarter, which brought Scotty Pendleby back into the game. Scotty had 10 touches in the third quarter, got the ball played in their half, and they got back within four points during that. Could you, could you, the fact that Coxie around the ground, you probably prefer Cameron, Coxie take the centre bounce. It's like the old school football. Coxie take the centre bounce, put him full forward, let Cameron ruck around the ground. You do that for a while, but once the opposition wake up to but it, how, they're going to throw, something, they're you, throw something at you. Yeah, but well, you're making them think, so, though. Yeah, so the way I would have made them think, well, we actually called it. At quarter time, I said, Mason Cox is sitting on the bench here. Collingwood are getting soundly beaten at stoppage when it is Darcy Cameron v Oscar McInerney. But when one changes, the other says, oh, that's the, the trigger, that's the flag, I will go off and have a break at the same time. I don't want him having any more rest than me. And then when um, uh, McStay came onto the ball, he beat Danaher and it started to even up. I would have thought about, hey, throw McStay in there and see if the Lions go, we might overlap here or... We'll throw Danaher on there just to make sure that there's not a uh, we don't gas our number one ruckman. I'd have thrown McStay in there a little bit more because he was able to wheel out of stoppage, uh, centre square stoppage onto the good. left foot, which gave Collingwood a little bit more. I thought they were a little slow to react on that, and when when Mason Cox came on, I, I was like, it's unfortunate for the kid who went off, Jacob Ryan, but I believe that he could have an effect in that game there just because of his reach. What what was your thought on Cox as a sub? Because you're very limited having a Ruckman who can play one main role and then a possible forward. They were going to take out Darcy Cameron pre-planned or one of the other big guys. But that's the thing is you you go in with a bloke who can play one role. Mm. It limits what you can do as far as play tricks. So if you're down in the third quarter, you you go, what can we we do if if Tommy Mitchell or if... um, Penderbury go down, all of a sudden you're throwing Even a ruck. Markov, Oleg Markov, Markov, running back, Backman, yep. yeah. Um, it is limited. It does yeah. limit yeah. your trick. So is that a part that Collingwood were comfortable with? They were sitting first and they were just trialling things to sort of see how it worked. And when you get a sub early, it sort of eliminates any plans that you did have. But I thought it, it, as far as a coaching structure, it, it sort of tied your hands a little bit, what tricks you could play. They probably, with the fact that they were using uh, how as a bit of a wild card up forward, not that they wanted to, but they always have the option of throwing him back and you can still take a tall out of the game. Yeah. Oh, I thought because they lost the defender anyway. They lost the defender and they still kept Howe forward. So it just mm. that, that, that was a part that did confuse me. No, there's no doubt. they And coaches sit back and they, they talk in match committee for hours on the sub and what they're going to use the sub for. And sometimes we don't see the, the writing on the wall, but there's no doubt they've got a logic for it. So, so you say they talk for hours. A lot of the time there's, a, there's some coaches just go... Twenty-two. Who's the twenty-third chosen? <laughs> He's our sub. That, so it's the twenty-third that, man. That, that's what will surprise you. In match committee, there's more talk on numbers twenty-two, twenty-three, and emergency <laughs> than what it is for majority of other. Even the tactics. Yeah. It's you sit in there and it blows your mind on how much they're talking about little stuff, and it goes to about half an hour. You're like, come on, guys, can we I move on? I used to love sitting in on those meetings. The and we talked about it before the game as well, Jared. The what ifs. Yep. The what ifs are. Uh, the things that can get thrown up are just – they're fantastic to listen to. It'll be something that will happen once in 20 games, but it might happen in a final. <laughs> they say, oh, glad we've talked, we spoke about that. <laughs> so just find the Collingwood conversation right down to their 
premiership aspirations and your opinion of them as the premiership favourite, as the one seed, as the best team in the competition, where are you with one round to play? I, I've got doubts. I've got a lot. And this is coming from, I, I was a big one saying, you put Dacos back in, but this time of year, you want consistency in your side, um, reliability on the blokes in and around you. And because it's not that Collingwood have done anything wrong, it's because of the injuries. Like They've got so many people missing from their main side that you look left, you look right, and it's not the same blokes that were there three weeks ago. It's not the same blokes that were there two weeks ago. And as a player and the consistency and confidence you have going into a final series, that does put a little bit of doubt in your own performance, but the blokes around you, and I think that's what we're seeing. When they get a couple goals kicked against it, it's not the the confident blase, oh, that doesn't matter, we'll bounce back. You can see it actually put stress onto the players and they're not playing with as much fluent movement and, and I guess, free-flowing ball movement as what they've done in the past. Gentlemen? This ebb has been created, the genesis of this ebb has been through personnel, lack thereof. So I reckon we have to at least give them a chance to actually reassemble the, the list out on the ground. They... They came good pretty quick in round one, didn't they? So let's let's sort of still assume that they once they get the band back together that they can do it fairly quick. You, my query on that would be, you'd like a little bit more time for them to gel over a couple of a fortnight or so before you say they hit their straps. I can't see them regaining that awesome best form they had. But somewhere climbing up to that, is that good enough to still see them hoist the flag? It's also who they run into as well. If they run into Melbourne at the MCG first final with Dacos more underdone, you're sitting there going, well, Gaunt flying, Oliver back. Is, are you back in Melbourne to beat Collingwood? This is all the doubts that's come in because of the, the lack of players that they've got on the park at the moment. Can I ask you one thing, though, Hodgie? There are moments of late with Collingwood where I saw early in the year they were relentless. And as I said, they played high-octane footy. There are moments in the last few weeks where they have the chance to body spoil, take a man down, and they slide past. They miss the spoil and they slide past. The opposition player is then forward of them. Tiny little things like that, rather than risk a 50 metre even, to be physical, impact physically, they're now not doing that on every occasion. I, I reckon you're spot on. I reckon they pick and choose when they want to defend. And what I've seen over the, their three losses, it started with the Collingwood game where they gave, uh, sorry, started with the Hawthorne game where they gave up probably about 11 out of their 16 goals because they opted to try and win the ball rather than defend the forward and it ended up in a goal. Mm. It's through the lack of want to defend. And if you're going to allow easy goals in finals, you're not going to be holding the Premiership Cup at the end of September. I think that's where they need to, as their defenders, as their mids, as their sliding wingers, they need to have a bit more of a focus on shutting down the opposition when it's in their defensive 50 because they're giving up too many goals. The deep dive into Collingwood. will switch our attention to the Lions and Josh Dunkley is going to join us. You're listening to Crunch Time for Azito. Azito powering DIYers all day, every day at Bunnings. Lux's greats, distributed Australia-wide. Caresses a kick to full forward. McCarthy at the stand underneath got met from all angles. The crumbing work is done brilliantly by Charlie Cameron, who snaps it through for a goal. Lux is great. The leaders in customizable aluminium drainage. Uh, the best of the Lions was there in 19 goals last night. So, Sam, just give us a rundown for Lions fans on there. 
on their health issues. Yeah, Kalamachi, Lincoln McCarthy. We'll start with both players are important, but Kalamachi, more of a back spasm, it sounds like. So certainly on the minor end, uh, nothing to suggest that he won't be available for next week. Now, Lincoln McCarthy, a bit more problematic, described as calf tightness. So this will be scanned in the coming days. They'll hope it is only calf tightness. Although, listening to Chris Fagan post-match, if there is a strain there, they think it'll be on the minor end and then the pre-finals bike comes into the equation. So all things being equal, he should be there for their qualifying final. And are there any rules for how long you can run around without a Guernsey? To the best of my knowledge, I can't find anything, Jared. I mean, the, the intention was always to get him a replacement. Fair old advantage running around without one, though, I would have thought, in terms of your slipperiness. Um, but no, comical scenes last night, which you spoke about earlier. I admired Devon's ability to willing to, to, to play on when all he had was basically a tattered sheet hanging around him. But that became problematic when he was coat hung at one point. So, no, I think everyone pretty relaxed about it. Obviously, Brisbane tried to get the jump out as quickly as they could, and uh, it was all resolved. But, yeah, the, you never the got the scratch welts from a tackle when yeah, you were playing local yeah, footy? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Without a, I'd, I'd without say, a cut shirt. Cut your nails. Jeez. <laughs> they hurt. The biggest thing through that was a doc trying to get the GPS out of the, <laughs> yes, the rib the sheet. And then he was having already, he had the shirt for a good minute, minute and a half trying <laughs> to put the GPS in. That's They're it. not easy, those. All right. What did it say? It was billed as the most important home and away game of Chris Fagan's time in charge. And it does give them the advantages if they can keep their perfect record intact at the Gabba next week against St Kilda. They're guaranteed top two. Yeah. We, we spoke before about uh, MCG versus Marvel. And even talking to the players and the coaches throughout the week, you could just feel that they were confident going there. They, like, there was the, we've won eight of the last ten there. We've beaten Collingwood five like, the last five times, both at the Gabber and at Marvel. So it was that fear of coming to Melbourne wasn't there. I think that's how they played. They, they started off really good. I, I like the tactic of Josh Dacos against Hawthorne two weeks ago had 17 touches, had two score involvements. Uh, last week against the Cats had 37 touches out in the wing, and he mm. played by himself. Like He wanted to be the closest to the boundary line to have time and space. I love the fact that Dacos still got a lot of the ball but didn't wasn't as effective. But I like the fact that they went after him and put Cal Archie to try and squeeze down. So it wasn't – wingers normally get to a stage where defensively they'll work all the way back to almost the full back line to help out and, and spoil or intercept Mark. Cal Archie's role was to go all the way with Dacos. So Dacos couldn't get those easy ones in the back line. Kick two goals in the first quarter, put some pressure on him. Uh, I, I like that tactic for him. But is there a difference with that? The winger going back, you say, gets back to assist. Because to me, Dacos got back in that first quarter, but he wasn't defending inside that. Oh, no, no, no. Defend- <laughs> he wasn't defending. He was there abouts with the ball. But his man was pretty well left to run to wherever he thought the ball yeah. was going. A, a winger's role is to get back to, oh, I guess, help defend. But the whole, the whole idea is to clog up space. Just so if a ball comes out, they're there. It's the first line of offense for him. They get back to get the ball and then transition off. And that's what Dacos have been so good at. Um with Cal, Cal's role was to squeeze all the way in with him just so if he did get the ball, he was under pressure and lucky enough, he got to the right spot a couple of times, kicked a couple of goals, which sort of put them with a bit more confidence that this tactic's really working until Cal went off with, with that back injury. But I, I like the, the, the small forwards for the Lions. Charlie Cameron looked looked mm. dangerous again. As soon as the ball hits the ground and there, as much as I love Quainer as a, as a defender, Charlie looked dangerous. Um, Link McCarthy was working really well down there as well, but it, it sort of started from the, from the hunt in the middle. Uh, we had to- Charlie on last night before the game, and he was in great form. He was talking about the brothers and how cold it is down here, and he was 
tossing up whether he was allowed to wear a long sleeve, but Faig said no, he was really good, good fun, and you could just sense that. Is he there was... a no long sleeve policy at Brisbane? I don't know. Uh, Faig's frowns on them. That much was clear. Yeah. I don't think it's a blanket rule, but you risk the chagrin of the coach. <laughs> I, I, strongly suggest. I think that may have come from the other place he was at for ten years because yep. there was no. You could train in long sleeves, but you couldn't. You couldn't play in long sleeves. So I think you might have brought that up there. But I think that that also went from a, a fact down at Tassie. We went and played Hawthorne down at Tasmania, and the rules were you. You trained the day before in, in your kit, which was shorts and a, and a top. There was no long sleeve. There was no undergarments. And there was a mindset thing. So um, I think he's just followed on with that. But oh, I like he the way good. they attacked it. Yeah, I, yeah. I like the way. I like some of the, the coaching moves. The, the, the so Quayne that you mentioned, he's good, but he, he dangerous forwards. He gives them a shot. He yeah. gives them a real shot. A couple of times he charged forward. You know, some of those defenders. Like That's Tom the Collingwood Stewart, way, though, isn't he, it? Yeah, but yeah. someone like Tom Stewart or even Darcy Moore rarely gets it wrong. They know, I'm leaving my man, I'm affecting the contest, and they rarely, rarely get it wrong. Quainer goes on a 50-50. And that's what a player like Charlie Cameron, who stays out the back, goes, please go. Yep. And he punishes you for it. I think the mindset with that is Quainer's idea and what the coaches have been pretty much, I'd say, been telling him is squeeze up there. If you think you're going to impact, whether get the ball directly, tackle, or be there support for your teammate, you leave. And then what they're hoping is the team defense is the next bloke will roll up into Quainer's man, which is Charlie Cameron. And that's where that winger we're talking about at the day because he can roll around and pick up mm. the deepest, the deepest forward. So that's their mentality. Do you get it right every time? No, but if you do it enough, you have confidence in the blokes around you more often than not that they'll work out in your favour, which has happened a lot for Quain. I think he up until last night, he'd only lost three one-on-one contests for the year. So his understanding when to go and his one-on-one work has been really good. But I, I like the, the way they started in the middle, their clearance work. Lockie Neal's, as you said, he's been injured, been sick, but his energy to move, and I'm not sure if it was because he knew Tommy Mitchell was coming to him, and they're like, in business together with the ball magnet, whatever they're doing. <laughs> but it was almost like I'm looking at you going, we're both Brownlow medalists, and I'm, I'm going to teach you. If you're going to try and tag me, I'm going to teach you how to do it. And he's movement away from the stoppage. It just created so much buzz and so much zip, which he, he as he does, he found the ball at ease. Mm. Fifth straight final series coming. So 2019 finished second, straight sets. 2020 finished second, won a fine final, got belted in a prelim. 2021 fourth, straight sets. 2022 won an elimination final, won a semi-final, belted in a prelim, having finished sixth. Now they're going to finish first or second yep. uh, if they keep their house in order. Um, are they, is this the best chance they've had in the Fagan era. Yeah, well, if you if you keep knocking on the door, Jared, sometimes they're going to open and they've been knocking for five years. So, look, the first year, 2019, was a young team that shouldn't have finished top two. They won a couple of close games uh, and got beaten by two better teams, got beaten by the two grand finals in Richmond and GWS. 2020 was one that I thought they had a really good chance. Home final, the grand final was up at the Gabba. They beat Richmond, ended up winning the premiership, but lost to, they look like kids against the big senior Geelong team which blitz halves and a lot of the other danger field, a lot of the, the others. So would, this is this is probably as good a shot. I, I actually liked them last year against Geelong in the prelim. The football that they played against Melbourne down at the MCG was really good. But as we saw what Geelong did against the Lions and then Sydney, they were just a better team and, and in fine form. But you, you look at the football they've played, and I think if you look at the teams in and around them as well, the team that's sitting on top, which you're normally scared of, they've just beaten them. They're, they're not scared of Collingwood anymore. The teams that sitting in Port Adelaide, if they get them at home, and, and the, the strength that they have at the Gabba, they haven't lost a game there. I think they're, since 2019, I think they're like 48 and 8 or, or something like that with those ridiculous numbers. So last night's game against credible opposition, a bit, bit, bit 
bit wounded, I suppose, yep. in, in personnel. But is that as good as the Lions can give? And if it's not, where do they improve? Uh, no, I reckon there's there's still areas. Their, their defence wasn't firing last night. Like, so you look at Harris Andrews as his captain. He was he was well held. Yes, he had some big spoils. He only had two, possibly three intercept marks. My I, check got I, off the chain. Yeah, I actually hardly noticed him until the third quarter when he took a couple. But um, yeah, there, there's still a lot of areas. That third quarter when Collingwood dominated, you would want you wouldn't want to see a team in the finals get four or five goals in a row and dominate like that because very rarely you're going to fight back like that. All right. Josh Dunkley is about to join us on Crunch Time.